This podcast covers all things health, your body, your brain, and your well-being. Each week, we'll be joined by doctors, as well as the occasional guest, to talk about the health topics that mean the most to you. In this podcast episode, Dr. Jonathan Lesson candidly describes his journey as a cardiac anesthesiologist diagnosed with young-onset Parkinson's disease. Anesthesiology requires manual dexterity to insert breathing tubes and intravascular catheters, to administer drugs, and to operate very technical devices. Anesthesiologists also need stamina for long operations, often more than one in a day. After several years of medical school and postgraduate training, and early in his career, Jonathan suspected something was wrong, and his suspicions were correct. After his Parkinson's diagnosis, he was able to work some more years, always keenly aware of patient safety. Eventually, he himself underwent surgery to implant a deep brain stimulator, giving him more time to practice. But eventually, he knew it was time to stop. When we spoke, he described his journey with Parkinson's, how it affected his practice of cardiac anesthesiology, and how he lives his life now. What were your first symptoms, or what kind of raised your suspicion? Well, I was having trouble with my right side. My hand was weak, and I had trouble pouring Coke, and I had trouble scooping ice cream. And that's what brought me to the doctor. How long did it take to get a diagnosis? Many people, it takes a long time before it's zeroed in on. Well, the person that I saw was actually a friend of mine. He was actually a neurologist. And he told me that he had been watching me for years and he knew that I had Parkinson's disease. Because I guess Parkinson's disease is a clinical diagnosis. But he never let on. But he never let on. And so when I asked to see him, he told me that I know what's wrong with you. And I said, it was a relief because now I had something to, to deal with. Right. How old were you at the time? I was 38 years old. And how long did it take you to decide on deep brain stimulation? Well, I was on medication, which actually helped me a lot for five years. And I was always waiting for the meds to kick in and waiting for them to wear off. I knew about deep brain stimulation because I had done anesthesia for it many times. And I asked my neurologist if I'd be a good candidate for that. And he said, yes, you'd be a great candidate for that. At the same time, I was freezing in the operating room. I was having trouble with, with movement. And I was asked to take an involuntary leave of absence for patient safety. I was asked to get a fit-to-work fit test at, at a non-MedStar facility, and I went to Hopkins, and he recommended that I look into DBS. Did you work after getting DBS? Yes, I worked for four years. The DBS was fantastic. It was like the meds were always on, and you could dial it up or down, so if you had dyskinesias, you could dial it down and the dyskinesias would go away. Did you have realistic expectations for DBS, what it could do and what it doesn't do? I think so. 
I was waiting for it for so long. I was always saying, when I get my wires, I'll be able to do this and that. They told me that it wouldn't help my balance, but it does help my balance because I'm able to move my feet quick, more quickly beneath me to catch myself if I'm about to fall. And I was able to ski with DBS. I was able to ride the Rockies, which is a, a week-long 90 miles a day bike ride through the Rocky Mountains. I was able to rock climb. Here is a quick word from our sponsor. We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod Studios. Join us as we give you the best of the best health and wellness updates you can rely on for the treatment of chronic health problems. Classic functional medicine back to basics health tips and special updates from the best doctors in the United States of America. Check out this health and wellness podcast shows. Explore Health Talk Weekly, Healthy Lifestyle Matters, Excellent Health Digest, Healthy and Free Daily and last but not least, Weekly Health and Fitness Corner. Also, check out Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told Fiction Podcast, for that real life on the go experience with the 27-year-old golden boy, who made our guest invite number one list. He tells us about his story as it happens in real time and in real life. It's Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told. Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Join us every week as we continue to provide you the best of health and fitness wellness updates from around the globe. Enjoy the show. I read your piece for the Davis Finney Foundation and you said when you were riding you could adjust your DBS as the hill climbs and the terrain needed. Yeah, I reached back and grabbed my remote. If I had a hill coming up, I would increase the amplitude, which made my face contort, but it made my legs move much easier. And I would crank it up and I would be able to cruise up the hills. I guess there might have been a little bit of a surprise in that it helped your balance. Were there any other things you didn't expect that occurred? Basically, when I woke up in the morning, I was able to get out of the bed more easily. And I was able to to do my activities of daily living around the house more easily. It kept me my off times to 80% on, so I didn't freeze anymore. The only things I wasn't able to do is scuba dive and ride roller coasters. Those are the two things that I like to do. Uh-huh, but you were back to skiing moguls. I was back to skiing moguls. I wasn't, like, I was 25 again. I was 43. I could ski... My favorite run in Vail, Highline, which is a mile-long mobile run. I could ski it once instead of 10 times like I used to when I was younger. I guess the handwriting on the wall for your career was really kind of imposed by the employer. Is that right? Or did you, after having DBS and still working, decide it was time to give up the career? Well, my first consideration was always patient safety. And my second consideration was always keeping the surgeons and the patients happy. And my third consideration was myself because I had trained for so long to become a cardiac anesthesiologist. And I had become ECHO certified and I was chief resident. And I was working at my dream job, which was the third busiest heart center in the country. And one day I was just moving more slowly than I'd like. And before I had a complaint from a surgeon or a patient, I decided that everybody should have a neuro-intact anesthesiologist. 
just like you get on an airplane, you should have an intact pilot. So I decided to look into my disability insurance. I think some physicians, when they can't do all the tasks, take to consulting or administrative stuff. That didn't interest you at all. Anesthesia is really a hands-on field, and so I didn't really have the option to do administrative things. Do you still keep up on what's going on in the field? Yes, I do. I still am very interested in anesthesia and helping people. Mostly what I do is I help people with Parkinson's disease now who are undergoing surgery. They have questions about the anesthetic. They have questions about what to do when they go in the hospital. I guess anesthesia is both a manual and a cognitive kind of endeavor. Did you have any cognitive problems that you noticed while you were working? No, I didn't have any cognitive problems. It turns out that I have the LARC2 gene, which is a hereditary form of Parkinson's disease, which rarely has dementia associated with it. So I was able to think normally. Just as a side note, what attracted you most about being an anesthesiologist in the field? Well, it was acute care. You showed up in the OR in the morning. You were the first person in the hospital. And you did things that helped the patients, and you saw your results right, right away. It wasn't like you were waiting six months after you gave a pill to look for results. And you were able to help people immediately. And you didn't have a patient load. You had 3,000 patients that you had to think about all the time. You had one patient at a time. And it was procedure-oriented. I liked the procedures. I liked placing tubes and lines and working with the heart surgeons. I liked heart surgery because the heart surgeons were working on the same organs that the anesthesiologist was interested in. So it was a very active case. I suppose it's sort of like uh, physiology, pharmacology on the run. Yeah, it is. My favorite case to do was actually a renal cell tumor in which you did circulatory arrest where you drained the blood out of the patient after you cooled the patient down and you actually arrested the patient for 45 minutes while you removed the renal cell tumor from the inferior vena cava. So it was a very consuming case where you work with the surgeon very closely. Given your experience both as someone who has received DBS as well as a physician who was deeply into physiology as a career, what advice do you have to other people with Parkinson's who are considering DBS? It's fantastic. It's like the medication kicks in. And the DBS works even better because you, if it's too high and you're having dyskinesias, you can turn it down. And so it's important to know that when you get the DBS, to go ahead and let the program or program it over a year. And don't be impatient in not knowing when the DBS is going to work fully. Eventually, it'll work fantastically. Right? You have to be patient. What have we missed, if anything, or anything interesting to add? It's just amazing that I, the support I got from the chairman of anesthesia. And because of the American with Disabilities Act that George Bush put, finally signed and put through, I was able to prove that I was fit to work. And I always work with a senior resident 
So the patient safety was not an issue. And I never got a complaint from a surgeon or a patient. It's amazing. I wonder if all employees would be so fortunate as to have an employer who adheres to the ADA and would be so willing to work with an employee who presents with a problem. Yeah, and it's also important to have good disability insurance. When you've worked so long and trained so hard for your job, at least monetarily, the disability insurance allowed me to retire and still maintain my current lifestyle. How active are you now? I still ride a Peloton bike inside, and exercise is very important for Parkinson's, so I try to exercise every day. Did you increase your exercise after your diagnosis, or were you always pretty active? It's funny because I thought I was active until I got diagnosed, and then I increased my exercise. I actually started rock climbing, which I had never done before. I actually started a rock climbing group, 50 people with Parkinson's. I suppose during your training, it may have been hard to fit in exercise. Yeah, it was during medical school and residency. And actually, the first five years out, I was still training. And it was hard to fit in exercise. But I didn't need to. it wasn't as important as it was when I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I appreciate all the time and the information. I think you put a pretty good light on what people might expect from DBS. So I appreciate it. Thank you. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.